0: commitment can be hard among other reasons it's hard because you and I in so many ways we're constantly bombarded with information we're constantly bombarded with things that are that are begging and pulling for our attention constantly are bombarded with different kinds of opportunities different directions in which we can go and consequently it's easy just to kind of stay stuck in browsing mode and not actually commit yourself to anything Of course, this browsing mode can come with a cost. One observer has stated this, that many people find their experience of life, and even if they're Christians, their experience of Christianity shallow. And the reason is this. We are just messing around on the surface when something deeper is being offered to us. That student speaker at Harvard got to the end of his speech last year where he'd been talking about getting stuck in infinite browsing mode. And he said, in light of this cultural moment, he said, I want to challenge you to rebel. He said, I want to challenge you to join the counterculture of commitment. If in any way, at times, maybe right now, your life feels a little shallow, if, or if in some sense, you can identify with just getting stuck in infinite browsing mode where you, know, you feel like you're just bombarding from thing to thing, and things or you know, information, ideas, and all this is just constantly pulling you in different directions. If you can identify with that at all, over the next four weeks, we're going to challenge you to think differently. We're going to challenge you to approach life differently. Over the next four weeks, we are going to invite you to be all in, to be all in in following Jesus. So this week, we're starting a new series called All In, and it will be based on Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, his relationship with this early group of Christian followers. So over the next four weeks, we're going to invite you to be all in. Now, this can look differently for, for each of us in some sense. I mean, for you, maybe the idea of being all in is, is coming to that place where you're ready to say, I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In some sense, maybe you've even been active in church, but it's like you're in that infinite browsing mode and you know, kind of just observe, but you've, you've kind of been comfortable to be an outsider looking in. For you, maybe all in means taking that step to cross that line and say, God, I'm, I'm receiving your gift of, of life in Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to take that step, we'd love to have that conversation with you. I'd love to talk to you after the service. Maybe for you, being all in is is putting the the 18th on your calendar. Nick talked about that earlier and you know this is this is a time for you to get connected. Maybe for you all in even is is thinking about, you know, I've been kind of part of this church, but I've never really said I'm all in here at Hershey Free, so when we go through the next membership class in September, I need to be a part of that. Now, at this point, you may you may kind of You may say, wait a minute, George, what do you mean by all in? Are you inviting me to be all in and following Jesus? Are you inviting me to be all in and being a part of a local church? And really the answer is yes. Because the truth is this, over the next four weeks, as we kind of look at at this experience of this church in Philippi, And as we look at their experience of being all in, we're going to come to understand that to be all in in following Jesus really is to be all in and being a part of a local church community. That's the way God intends. That's the way Christ has designed his movement. And the reality is you can't take Jesus seriously without taking his church seriously. So over the next four weeks, we invite you to be all in. Now, I realize in kind of introducing this topic, it raises all sorts of questions like, uh, well, what exactly do you mean when you say all in? And what does it look like? And uh, how do I know if I'm doing it? Maybe even for some of us, the most important question, why should I take any of this seriously that you're talking about? Those are all great questions. and, And so kind of to introduce us to this topic... What I want to do is just ask a series of questions this morning as we begin talking about what it means to be all in and following Jesus. As I said, we're going to spend the next four weeks in the, in the book of Philippians. So maybe a great question is why start here? Why look at this particular letter? And I think the simple answer to that question is when you read the pages of the New Testament, when you study the early movement of, of, of Christianity, Christianity, if there's any church that you would say was really all in and following Jesus, it was this one. I mean, as you look at the different places where Christianity began to take root and what it looked like and all the different churches in the New Testament, if you would say, now which one of these groups is really a place where you could say they were really all in? Arguably, the first first place that would come to mind would be this church in Philippi. In fact, uh, notice what we read toward the very beginning of the letter. Verses three of chapter one, I thank my God every time I remember you In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy, notice this, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now notice that word partnership. For those of you maybe who've been around church for a while, at some point you've heard about the Greek term koinonia, that's that term right there. It's, it's often translated fellowship. And I don't know about your church experience, but when I grew up and I heard people talk about koinonia, or I heard people talk about fellowship, the first thing that came to mind was donuts. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You got it. That was, because every time we, you know, anything was labeled as fellowship, there was always... There was always a box of donuts. And I love donuts in and church. And, but, but please understand me, when this term is used here... The foundational idea is partnership. In fact, in the ancient world, suppose you went into business with a friend. You know, you're in this startup together and you guys are up late at night. You're, you know, you're putting sweat equity into this business. You're doing whatever it takes to make this business work because you've got limited capital. And if you've ever been there, you know what it's like to kind of be shoulder to shoulder with someone else within the ancient world. This is the term you would use. What Paul is saying is this, from the first day into now, you guys have been there right there with me. In fact, two verses later, he uses a similar word to say that we are sharers or we are partners, we are partakers in God's grace. So ultimately what Paul is doing, he's looking at this church and he's saying, you know what? This good news of Jesus, this grace of God, it has brought us together. And now we are shoulder to shoulder in this mission. We are shoulder to shoulder in living out this faith. And in writing this book, Paul is acknowledging to this early group of Christ followers, you guys have been all in. In fact, part of the reason he writes the book, it's it's, it's a thank you. Part of the reason he writes the the letters is a thank you. He's, He's in prison. Most likely he's in prison in Rome. And this church has sent financial support. And so you get to the end of the book and it's clear he's saying thanks for the help. And he also says in chapter 4 that, you know, no church has stood beside me like you guys have. This is a church that's all in. All in in the mission, all in in following Jesus. So Philippians is just, it's a, if we're talking about really, you know, what's it like to kind of get out of infinite browsing mode to really engage this journey of following Christ. This is a, this is a great place to look So that leads really to the next question, which is really, what what do we mean when we say all in? I mean, that's a phrase we hear from time to time, but what exactly does that mean? And I I think maybe the best place to start in wrestling with this question is to to say what it's not. For instance, I realize for some people, when I talk about being all in and following Jesus, Jesus, that may be demotivating for you. Here's how you may hear that. you know, there's some people that just seem to always make the right choices and always make the right decisions. They always have the right answers. And, and that's what it means to be all in and following Jesus. And that's not me. I could never see my life that way, I could never see myself in that category. So if it's going to be all or nothing, I might as well not even try. But it's, it's not all or nothing. Understand this clearly. Paul is is very adamant in celebrating the way this church is partnering and in celebrating the fact that they're all in. But that doesn't mean they get everything right. That, mean, that doesn't mean they're not some challenges and there's tension and there's drama. In fact, we get toward the end of the book and it's pretty clear that there, there's tension between a couple of leaders in the church and I think most likely that's, that, you know, that's bleeding into the church maybe in, in, into some unhealthy ways and that's part of the reason Paul writes the letters. Not that they're getting everything perfectly. They're always making the right steps and the right decisions. No, there's messiness here too. So being all in doesn't mean I'm the perfect Christian. Another thing is this. Please hear me clearly on this. I think sometimes when we think about being all in, we think, well, those are the people that just get a little weird in following Christ, right? I mean, those, those are the people that any conversation, they somehow work a Bible verse into it. So how are you today? Well, you know what? This is the day that the Lord hath made, so we will rejoice and be glad in it. And you look at them and go, wow, that just wasn't what I was thinking. That's not what I... <laughs> and you're like, man, I could, never be, I could never be like that. And unfortunately, sometimes it feels like those people are, are weird that they become offensive in unnecessary ways, right? The people just look at them as just different. And, and yet in this book, it becomes clear that, that what is happening in Philippi, is, as, as these people have been all in, I think it's, it, there are clues in the book that other people are just being drawn to the message of Jesus. So being all in isn't about being a perfect Christian. It's not about being a weird Christian. Furthermore, it's not about being a checkbox Christian. Some of us have grown up in environments where it felt like, okay, here's the checkbox of things you have to do. And, and just as long as you check the boxes, you can, you're good. But I think as you, as you read this letter, it becomes clear. It's, it's, you know, It's not about being perfect. It's not about being weird. It's not about checking boxes. It's really, it's just about a way of life that is rooted in the good news of Jesus. When you embrace that, that, that's what it means to be all in. To show you what I mean, let's come to what I think is one of the most significant statements in this book. I think it is one of the most significant statements in all of Paul's letters. So if you're in the habit, you know, if you're going to mark up your Bible, this is one of the places to mark. Um, Look at verse 27 of chapter 1. Paul says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now let me just break that down for you. If you want to understand what it means to be all in, this is a great place to start. What does it mean really to be all in and following Christ? How do I know if I'm all in and following Christ? Well, this is a great place to start. So let me just walk you through what Paul says. First of all, notice this phrase, whatever happens. It's kind of hard to bring the full weight of this statement from Greek into English. But, but here's what I think is going on. Let me ask you, has this ever happened to you? You've been, uh, you've been in a conversation with someone. Maybe they're giving you some kind of instructions. Like for instance, maybe you're house sitting for them this summer and they're giving you all these details. Or maybe you're having to fill in for them at work and cover part of their responsibility and you, they're giving you all the to-do list. And at some point your eyes start to glaze over with all the information. And so finally they look at you and they said, oh, okay, okay, just, just remember this. Have you ever been in a conversation like that where it, things get too complicated in somebody and maybe you're the one who says it, but somebody says, look, here's, here's all you need to remember. Just remember this. That's Paul. That's what Paul is saying here when he says, whatever happens, it's like only the, it's, it's almost like he says, look, if you forget everything else I've ever told you, just remember this. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Paul says, look, this is the one thing I want you to remember. This is what it means to be all in. So what does that mean? Well, interestingly, if you, if you read other letters of Paul, you will find he uses similar phraseology in several other places. And I'm convinced if, if you squeezed Paul hard enough, at some point this language would come out. Live a life worthy of the gospel. Live a life worthy of Christ. That's just, that was just his heartbeat. That was his passion. That's what it meant to be all in. And so what exactly does he mean here? Well, interestingly, um, while he uses this phraseology in other places, he uses a different verb here. It's the only place in all of his letters that he uses this particular verb. And so you can actually translate this phrase this way. Live as citizens of the gospel. Whatever happens, just remember this, live as citizens of the gospel. Now that seems like an odd thing to say, doesn't it? It seems like weird language to use, but if you understand the context, it makes more sense. Remember, Paul is writing the church here. This is a picture of uh, ancient Philippi. And, And one of the unique things about Philippi, and we won't get into all the political reasons for this, but in years prior to Paul's, Interaction with this church, Philippi had been designated a Roman colony. Even though it was in Greece, it was classified politically as a Roman colony. That doesn't mean anything to us, but it was a big deal in the ancient world. It came with very specific advantages and opportunities to be designated as a Roman colony. For instance, there were tax advantages to being a Roman colony. If you were a a veteran from serving in the Roman legion, there were, there were tax advantages to living in Philippi. It was a tax haven for you. And so for the people receiving this letter, there was a deep sense of pride. We're, we may be in Greece, but we are a Roman colony. And so it's almost like Paul looks at them and says, look, I know your sense of identity is shaped by the fact of who you are and where you live and you've got these unique privileges. But I want you to know that as a follower of Christ, there's now, there's a deeper identity at work in who you are. I know this other stuff's very important to you and it feels like it defines who you are, but now there's a deeper identity at work. And when he says, you know, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, it's not about living up to a standard. It's about living out your new identity. And so now we, we start to get, we're starting to get what this, what it means to, you know, to be all in for Jesus, right? It's not, you got to get things perfectly. You got to be this weird person. You got to check off the boxes. It's, it's about living out this new identity. Living out this new relationship that is grounded in the, the gospel. Living out this new relationship made possible by the work of Christ. That's, that's what, it, it, what it means to be all in. It's about living out of this new identity. And as you read this passage, there's, there's one other clue that I think is very important to what this means. If, if you read a little farther, no, you'll notice that he says... Then, whether I come and see you or hear about you in my absence, then I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And what becomes very clear here, in fact, this theme permeates the book, the theme of unity. But what becomes very clear is, is Paul's expectation is that, that we live out this identity in the context of relationships with others. We're not intended to do this on our own. We're not designed that way. That's not not how God's plan is intended to work. We're to be in relationship with others. And so, in a real sense, one way to think about being all in is this. All in simply means living out your identity in a community that's following Jesus. It's not about, well, you've got to do everything perfectly or always hit these expectations. It's just, it's about living out your identity, your new identity in a community that's following Christ. Earlier uh, this week, I was uh, having lunch with a friend and, you know, as we ate together, uh, we got to the end of the conversation and just right at the end, he looked at me and said, hey, hey by the way, how can I, how can I pray for you? You know, that was, that, was just, that was just so life-giving to have that conversation, to talk about certain things we're going through. And it, was just, it was just life-giving to sit there and, and for a moment just be reminded, you know what, we're in this together. We're in this together as dads. We're in it together as husbands. We're in it together as followers of Jesus. And that, that's God's... It's God's intent. That's the design of of what He is doing. So to be all in, it's just about living out your identity in a community that's following Christ. So if that's kind of what it is, let's start to get a little more concrete. So so what's it what does it require, right, to embrace this way of life? What is it? What does it require? What is it going to entail? And I think if you you look at this passage again, notice again these words, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. There are two things that I would highlight, and I think these themes become more apparent as you read the entire letter. To, To embrace this way of life, first of all, we need insight. We need insight, and by that I mean... We need understanding about who God is, what he's doing, and what it means now to be in relationship with him. Interestingly, in this, I mean, it's a short little book. It doesn't take you that long to read. In this short little book, there are 17 places where Paul says something like, okay, you need to think this way, or here's an insight you need to grab hold of. Here's some understanding that you need. It's very clear for Paul that if you're going to embrace this way of life, there's some understanding and insight that is needed. But not only do we need insight, we also need intentionality. Once again, notice that, that for these Philippians, Paul is tapping into the idea of citizenship, right? To live as citizens of this new identity. And of course, with citizenship comes rights and responsibilities. And this means that as followers of Christ, we've got to be intentional in, in, in rhythms and patterns that we built into our lives that help us embrace this new way of life. Now, with that in mind, um, let's just talk about, well, what does this actually look like for us here? What does this look like for us here at Hershey Free Church? What what does it look like for us to be all in? What does it look like for us to embrace this, this way of life where we're living out our identity and the context of these relationships? Well, as a church, when we think about being all in, when we think about this journey of following Jesus, we define it this way. So if you're new to, to our church, this is language you're going to hear in different venues. And you'll hear it repeated because this is really how we define this journey of following Jesus. We talk about it in terms of, of living with Jesus, loving like Jesus, and, and leading others to do the same. That is, we've, we recognize that when you become a follower of Christ, you're brought into this new relationship that Christ's work makes possible. And we want to We want to build into that. We want to continue to develop that. And we'll see that that's part of Paul's passion in this letter as well. So we want to be people who are living with Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. We want to foster healthy relationships both inside and outside the church and develop skills and abilities whereby in relating to one another and relating to others, we're really reflecting the character of Christ and we want to lead others to do the same. We want this to be a community where where you're being stretched and challenged and equipped to live out your faith, a place where you're coming to understand that God has wired you to serve others in different capacities and to help you take steps in doing that, whether that's inside the church or outside the church, so that in a a significant way, you're living out the good news of Christ and, and the relationships around you. So that's really for us what it means to be all in in a, in a concrete way. Now, in telling you this, I also just want to share that really over almost the last year, some of our staff have just had an ongoing conversation about this issue of being all in. I mean, we've acknowledged, even as I started this morning, that there, you know, there's so many things that pull and vie for our attention. There's so many reasons why it, it, we can really be casual or non-committal in our relationship with Christ. So many things just pulling us in other directions. And all of us know that. So over the last year, some of our staff have just been involved in this conversation about, well, so how do, how do we help people to be all in in living, loving, and leading? How do we help them engage this way of life and as we've had those conversations, really, our thoughts have kind of come back to three themes where we really wanted to be intentional, right? If it takes intentionality and in this way of life, these are three areas where as a church we really want to be intentional. And, and, and I share this with you just really as, as a commitment that we're making to you, that these, these, are, these are ways in which we want to be intentional in the life of our church. First of all, we want to be intentional in our worship gatherings, our worship services, our worship experiences. We want to be very intentional that these would be times where we can come together and engage God together and also grow in understanding what it means to follow him in everyday life. Secondly, we we want to be intentional in providing group environments where we have the opportunity really to get to know people and to, and, and to really kind of build into their lives, to have them build into our lives. and Of course, you know, as, as Nick already alluded to, sometimes you try out a group environment, it doesn't work, but then, you know, we, I, we just want to encourage you to keep pursuing that to, because there, I think it's significant that we get connected, particularly in a large church. I think it's important that you be connected somewhere where you are missed if you're not there. So we want, you know, we want to be intentional in our worship gathers, we want gatherings. We want to be intentional in our group environments. And, and thirdly, we want to be intentional in equipping you to live out your faith and to serve both inside and outside the church. And, and hopefully, even as we move forward, you're, you're going to sense, wow, I see how we're being intentional in these areas. And hear me clearly, the goal is not to create a new checkbox list. But the goal is, as Paul would say, to strive together in this journey of living out our identity. To be a community where we're, we're in this together and living, loving, and leading. So that's why, even as we go into fall, we're going to be very intentional in inviting you to try out a starter group. So once again, I just want to remind you about the 18th coming up and just challenge you. You know, if you're not connected, if you see this as, as your church community, but you're not connected anywhere, this could be a next step for you. I realize it's scary and, you know, you don't know what will happen, but I encourage you to take this step and just try it out. Come, come on this evening and learn more. See if there's a group where you might connect and then just give it a try over the fall. Because remember, we're intended to be in this together. And as we go through the fall, we're not simply going to uh, have these starter groups going. We're also just going to spend some time talking about relationships. As we start the fall in September, we're going to be in a series called For One Another, where we just talk about some of the one another statements in Scripture, and, and we talk about the different skills that we can develop and that will just help us to kind of move into the lives of other people in helpful and significant ways. Then after that, we're going we're to deal with some of the hard stuff of life and relationships. When we move into October, we're going to do a short series called "The Struggle Is Real." We're actually going to be talking about stuff that we don't always talk about in church, but maybe we need to talk about some of the struggle, struggling experiences of life, and how do we engage that well as a church community? Things like challenging family dynamics, anxiety, and depression. Abuse. How do, we, how do we engage topics like this well as a church community? So, I, I, you know, even as we start, I, I just want to invite you over the next couple of weeks to be a part of this all-in series. As we continue this series, we're going, to, we're going to see the themes of living, loving, and leading in Philippians and see what that looks like. Then we'll move into these other series where we talk about relationships from different angles. So I just want to challenge you to kind of, to engage these conversations and these topics with the recognition that, you know, I want to be all in as part of this community that's seeking to live out our identity as followers of Christ. I want to be all in and living, loving, and leading with these people. Because this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now, all of that just leads to the final question. And maybe for you, this is the most important. And that question is this. Why should I take any of this seriously? George, why should I pay, to, pay attention to anything that you've said over the last 30 minutes? Blah, 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 right? Maybe you would say, you know what? I've been to church before and they're always trying to get you to get involved and blah, you know, and I've heard it all before and, and it just kind of washes over you. So why should I take this seriously? It's a great question. To think about that, just turn the page to the middle of chapter two. Because I think in some sense, Paul actually addresses this question. Paul, why should we be serious about being all in? Why should I be serious about being part of a community that is living, loving, and leading? Why should I be serious about that? And I think Paul really says two things. The first thing he says is this. You need to take this seriously because God is at work. Look at verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who, is, who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now you need to realize this was a revolutionary statement to the people receiving this letter. Because most of the people who received this letter were coming out of pagan religious backgrounds. They knew how to do religious observance for their gods. They knew about certain civic religious practices. That had been a part of their upbringing. But in their background, nobody, when they talked about religion, ever talked about actually being transformed in the process. And now Paul says this, look, I want you to embrace what I'm talking about. I want you to be all in in this journey of following Jesus. I want you to be a part of a community that takes this seriously because in the journey you will discover it is actually God who is at work in you. I want you to work out because he is working in. And I think as you seek to embrace this way of life that we're describing, of living, loving, and leading, you will discover over time that God can actually be at work in you from the inside out, even at the level of your will and your desires. That God can actually be bringing new attitudes into my life. You can realize that there, there are perhaps layers of fear, uncertainty, anxiety, selfishness that God's spirit is seeking to pull away. So Paul says, look, you you need to take this seriously because God is at work. And that that really leads to to the second point that I think he makes. And and the second point is this, if, if God is at work, why would you want to miss out? If God is at work, why would you want to miss out? It was interesting. I talked about some of these conversations we've been having here over the last few months. And in one of the conversations, I I just, in essence, raised this question. So why would people take what we're talking about seriously? Right, we're going to be talking about being all in and inviting people to join a group and to embrace this way of life of living, loving, and leading. But why, why would people take this seriously? And at one point in the conversation, someone just looked up and said... We want them to do this because we don't want them to miss out. And I, you know, that, that moment just kind of grabbed my heart. Yes, I don't, I don't want you to miss out. And in a real sense, I think that's what Paul says here is that the passage continues. He's saying, look, I don't, I want you to understand God is at work. And because God is at work, I don't want you to miss out on what he's doing. So notice verse 14 and following, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firm to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Now here's what's fascinating. Notice that phrase at the beginning about doing everything without grumbling or arguing. Arguably, this is a subtle allusion to a generation in the Old Testament. Do you remember the generation in the Old Testament that was known for its grumbling and its arguing? It's a generation that got stuck in the wilderness. In fact, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, which Paul would have been familiar with, the similar sorts of language occur in the Old Testament in reference to that generation. So, in a real sense, I think Paul is saying this. He's saying, Look, I want you to be all in because God is at work. And if God is at work, I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to get stuck with those religious people that just feel like they're always grumbling and complaining, right? Who miss out on living out their identity. I don't want you to simply assimilate into the culture of which you are a part and and lose your sense of identity. But no, I want you to be all in. Because I want you as an individual and I want you as a church to shine like stars in the universe as you follow Jesus. So that just leads to one final question, which is this, will you join us? Will you join us? Over the next three weeks, as we kind of come back to this book and talk about living, loving, and leading, will you, will you be open to the idea of, this is, this is what God wants for me in terms of being all in? For some of you, will you join us on the night of the 18th and just explore the opportunity of getting connected in a small group because you want to say, you know what? I understand that in following Jesus, we, we are to do this in relationship with others. As we go through this fall and we talk about relational skills and even how to deal with the messiness of life, will you be open to saying, you know, these are these are skills that I need to develop in my life because i I want to be all in and following Jesus and and I want to be part of a church that, where we do this well. That's the invitation. Let's pray together. Gracious God, as, as we have taken time this morning to begin looking at this church in Philippi, I thank you for the words of this book and... Father, I acknowledge, and we need to acknowledge, that, man, there were some challenges here, there's tension, there's obviously disagreement, and it's messy, and yet, in the midst of that, in so many ways, you can look at this group of people and say, yeah, but they're, they're all in. They're, they're people who are learning to live out their identity in the context of community as they follow Jesus. And Father, I pray that even this morning, there's... There's something that is drawing us into this journey afresh and anew. To say that I want to be all in following Jesus. May we be open to that invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.